Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, this is Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Roughness. roughness. I think this, that somewhere within the first five to ten plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must go down. And he must go down hard. It's Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Big hole. First down. End zone. Touchdown. Touchdown Raiders. Would you believe it? This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q. Not going to lie to you, Raider Nation. Today is one of those days that I've been waiting for for a very long time. This is one of these days, and you know yesterday was one of these days as well, where you start the show and you talk about transactions. You start talking about movement, uh, roster shakeups that are going on uh, with the team. And so that lets you know that there's activities going on. That lets you know uh, that you're basically your summer break is over and it's time to go full throttle. You got to dip your head into a tank of gasoline, light that thing on fire with a match and go, right? I mean, that's just what it's all about right now. So excited to be at this point of the year. We were all at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, Raiders HQ, a little earlier today. Heard from multiple players, including Max Crosby, Denzel Perryman, Hunter Renfro, and John Simpson. And you're going to hear from those guys throughout the course of the show today in the next three hours. Of course, my man, Demon Cotton, he's in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. I am in the home studio, and I mentioned it on yesterday's show. We're going to have a lot of these days where there's I'm going to either be at Raiders HQ or I'm going to be at the home studio just because there's so much going on. There's not enough time to hustle back and get to the radio station, so we got to have to do things remotely. But we're going to bring you everything and anything that has to do with the silver and black, and we're bringing it to you this afternoon. Excited about the show that we have lined up for you and excited to tell you, as I mentioned, that there's more roster shakeups going on, and there's nothing major right now, but just you know that with every little tinker to the roster, it's helping putting together and form this 2022 Raiders team as they're going to try to windle this thing down to a 53-man roster. And, of course, on game days, 46 guys will uh, will dress out. But uh, as of a few minutes ago, the Raiders tweeted out and sent out the email that they signed free agent cornerback Isaiah Ike Brown. He joins the Raiders after playing with the New Orleans Breakers of the USFL. So that's two days in a row where the Raiders have signed someone from the USFL. He had 16 tackles, two interceptions for 98 yards, and he returned one to the house. He originally signed with the Bills as an undrafted free agent back in 2020, uh, and then he was placed on the reserve retired list during training camp. And uh, a corresponding move that the Raiders had to make earlier today, we found out that safety Dallin Levitt was released. That's a big-time special teamer right there. Uh, he's not a guy that you want to see out there playing defensively. We said that many times on the show, and you heard it amongst, well, any show on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm sure any Raider fan has said, you don't want to see Don Levitt out there on the field as far as defense goes, but uh, he's a big-time special teamer. They released him, and then they waived guard Jordan Meredith. So a couple more roster moves, and there was roster moves that were made yesterday, and this is what you're going to continue to get each and every day as training camp gets ramped up. Just excited about all our opportunities. I'll tell you right now, uh, head coach Josh McDaniels, he's going to meet with the media tomorrow bright and early. So if you're tuned into the morning tailgate, as you should be, you'll be able to hear head coach Josh McDaniels talk to the media because he's scheduled to meet with us around 745 in the morning. And I don't remember us having a, a media session with the head coach that early, but hey, that's okay. They'll have the media session with Josh McDaniels, then they'll go out there and practice. They'll have a little open time for us, the media. Uh, we'll be able to provide some you know, some pictures, and we'll tweet out some videos, and then there'll be a, a small little window, and then practice will be over, and then we'll meet with some players. So that's how it's going to go down tomorrow. So uh, here we are. 
we made it. We survived. We're busy, and it's a good busy to have. So very excited about uh, the next few weeks leading up to the to the first preseason game, which that's actually right around the corner. That's the Hall of Fame game going on in Canton, Ohio. That's on uh, August 4th, and our, our credentials for that have been approved. So Raider Nation Radio 920 will be providing you tons of coverage. The morning tailgate will be broadcasting live. JT the Brick will be ta- ta- uh, broadcasting live. Uh, Unnecessary Roughness, they'll be all the way live from Canton, Ohio, uh, all that week leading up to the enshrinement of Cliff Branch. And then we're even going to have a special show on Saturday as we did a year ago. So uh, excited about that, too. Uh, our offseason is completely over. That's a good thing because, man, oh, man, uh, we always sit there and wonder if we're going to make it. Is there? How are we going to survive? How are we going to survive without you know Raider football? What are we going to do for all this time? Man, that, that went by so quick, so fast, and in such a hurry. You know, with the signing of uh, Devontae Adams, the trade and the sign for him, and then the draft being here, and all the events that we've seen, and the the new regime coming in, and you saw them start to put the roster together. It seemed like it just was, boom, just a day ago when the Rams were winning the Super Bowl over the Cincinnati Bengals in L.A., and now all of a sudden it's like, boom, here we are putting together a roster for another run at whatever the Raiders plan on doing this upcoming year. And, of course, they have high expectations Every player that talked to us today uh, at the Intermount Healthcare Performance Center, they all tried to, I don't want to say downplay the expectations, but basically make it sound like, hey, you know, uh, we're not listening to any of the outside noise. We've got to take it day by day. Don't worry about last year. Don't worry about next year. But worry about the day in hand and, you know, be where your feet are and just uh, worry about what's going on and, and not listen to everyone like myself who's saying, hey, this team has an opportunity to, to make a deep run because they have all the weapons, they have all the tools, this, that, and the other. I mean, you've heard us say it. For months now, we've been talking about how good this team possibly can be. The players that we talked to, Max Crosby, Denzel Perryman, Hunter Renfro, John Simpson, none of them were trying to hear that. They're just trying to build every single day, build this thing up, and get out there on the field September 11th to take on the Chargers. So coming up on the show today, our guest that we have at 2.30, Adam Hill from the Las Vegas Review-Journal and also our sister station ESPN Las Vegas. Uh, He's on Cofield & Company. He'll join us. He was at Raiders HQ earlier today. He'll talk about just what he saw and what he heard from the different players that we talked to because, of course, everyone has their own takeaways. I'll tell you off top, I felt like they had a lot of energy. I felt like they were pretty upbeat. Uh, maybe this is one of those things and, and one of those scenarios that we've talked about before where they they feel like they could just go in there and play football. It's all about football. There's no side stories going on right now. Maybe that's what it is. I don't know. Maybe it is the expectations. Maybe they're pretty fired up because they feel like this team could be special. I'm not too sure, but we'll ask Adam Hill coming up at 2.30 what his thoughts were because uh, they, they, they seem pretty up-tempo and pretty excited when they met with us today. And, Damon, you're back in the home studio, and I know you've been working really hard, you and Jared and multiple others working really hard on getting all this audio cut up and prepared for all the different shows so we can provide it for Raider Nation. But just as you were hearing these guys talking, of course, you're watching the video stream as well. Uh, did they seem up-tempo to you? Did they seem a little excited to get everything going? Oh, yeah, they definitely did. And what you said maybe about this team, that they know they have a good team, the next time we have a former player on, I want to ask them, going into training camp, do you just know, hey, man, we got a good squad this year? And I felt like all four players that spoke today, they didn't want to, like, overly be confidently and cocky about it, but I think there was that underlying tone of, hey, we're good this year. Right. No, I feel feel like you're on to something right there. You know, I think that they do know that they're – they're a good team, and they have a potential to be a good team. They just got to go out there and get it done, right? You know, and there's obviously there's a lot to learn. They've got to learn a new system on both sides of the ball, offensively and defensively. But this is when it starts, and this is what you sign up for, right? 
I mean, these guys all started playing football because they loved the game, not because they loved what it did for them. They just loved the game. That's why they were playing football whenever they started. Whatever they wanted to do, they had goals in life. Now they're there. Yes, do they make a lot of money? Yeah. Do they have a, a pretty stinking good lifestyle? Absolutely. But at some point, these guys did it because they loved the game. So as Denzel Perryman was kind of talking about, like, you know, hey, this is fun, man. That's what we do. I'm a football player. So, you know, I, again, I just think that there's maybe a, a, a subtle, not a cockiness, but a calm and, and confidence about this team. But we'll talk to Adam Hill coming up at 2.30. At 3 o'clock, John McClain, formerly of the Houston Chronicle, he'll join the show as he does each and every Tuesday. And he had to push back a day just because he had some things going on. So he wasn't able to meet with us and join with the show yesterday. But he will join us at 3 o'clock, talk all things training camp. And John's been covering the league for a very, very long time. So one of my first questions to him will be about, you know, just – what this is like for players, you know, training camp, getting back to the grind, you know, knowing that, uh, you know, there's going to be a, a long time between now and, and when you're actually with your family and you're able to relax because it's football season again. So we'll talk to John about reporting for training camp, what it's like, what it was like when he first started covering the league to where it's at right now. That's coming up at 3 o'clock. Then at 3.30, Mike K. he's a lead reporter for Pro Football Network. He's going to join the show to talk about safety Jesse Bates. Safety Jesse Bates is a guy that holds the franchise tag right now in Cincinnati, and he did not sign his franchise tag, and they did not come to an agreement on a long-term deal before the deadline passed. So whenever he decides to report, whenever he decides to sign his franchise tag, he'll literally be playing in Cincinnati uh, for a one-year, about $12 million-something deal. Now, that doesn't mean that he's necessarily going to be playing in Cincinnati. It just means that's what the deal's going to be because there's – there's things that are out there. I mean, there's there's teams that could look at him and say, hey, we'd like to have him on our squad and make a trade for him. But Mike put out a really good piece on ProFootballNetwork.com about Jesse Bates and how trading for him might not be as easy as some people think. And I know there's been a lot of Raider Nation that have said, man, look, let's pay attention to what's going on in Cincinnati. You know, maybe maybe going to get Jesse Bates, a guy who had 10 interceptions a season ago, maybe that would be a good move for the Raiders. And I've heard other fans of other teams say, hey, go get that Jesse Bates guy, man. He's a hell of a player. Uh, he had a nice little run in the playoffs and, of course, had a really, really good regular season in 2021. Again, 10 interceptions is nothing to shake a stick at. Think about this. The Raiders as a secondary together. No, sorry. The Raiders as a defense altogether only had six interceptions a year ago. Jesse Bates had 10. So, there is that. What do you uh, What do you know? What do you like about Jesse Bates, uh, Demond? Well, first off, the interceptions, and I do think that the problem that he's got with that franchise tag is that we talked about this a little bit with Darren Waller, where it comes to the designation. Hey, ten interceptions. That's elite corner type of production right there. Right. That's only trailing who's that? Um, Diggs on the Cowboys. Right. So it's uh, so that's like putting up. He's doing what he needs to do in coverage, and also those responsibilities as a safety. He's doing it all. So he's saying, like, hey, pay me more top dollar and also pay me more that you're paying those guys on the other side of me, the corners, as opposed to the top safeties. Yeah, you know, that, that could be an element to it for sure. You know, so we'll talk to Mike about it and see how close maybe Cincinnati even got to coming to an agreement on a long-term deal. But that's a key cog on the back end of that defense. And uh, I personally think it would be a hell of a player for the Raiders to pick up, but I don't think that they'd be able to do it. And I don't know. I don't want to say don't think they'd be able to I don't think that they'd want to do it just because I think it would take a whole lot of of capital to uh, to go and get him including players think about this and, and this is a part of Mike's 
piece on Pro Football Network is he compares it to the season that Jadavion Clowney had in 2019 for the Texans. Really good season. They gave him the franchise tag. He didn't sign it. He eventually gets traded to Seattle, and he gets traded for a couple players and like a third-round pick. He thinks that that's the kind of capital a team is going to have to give up in order to acquire Jesse Bates if someone wants to trade for him. And so I look at the Raiders roster and I say, yeah, I don't see a couple players that that the Raiders could you know, push off and, and head that way and then also give up draft capital as well. Uh, I don't think that the Raiders are deep enough to be able to do that. But that's just me. That's why we have guys like Mike K on to explain it, break it down, and talk about it. Again, I know a lot of Raider Nation have been hit with DMs and text messages and all, all kind of different uh, ways of reaching out to me. Q, what do, you, what do you think about Jesse Bates? you think the Raiders should go make a move? It, would, it sounds good. Right? It sounds really good. And any anybody with that kind of production on the back end, yeah, that's a that would be a, a, a home run get in my opinion. I just don't see that as something that would happen. But we'll talk to Mike coming up at three thirty uh, about that. And then four o'clock and uh, then the rest of the show we'll have some different sound from the players that we talked to earlier today at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, Raiders HQ. Got a lot that I want to get to right here in this uh in this first segment, as a matter of fact, uh because we heard about there was like some. It was so funny. We were sitting in in uh, in the uh, media room, and NFL Network was on. So Ian Rappaport was on there, and he was talking about Darren Waller and Denzel Perryman that both want contract extensions. And it's funny because we're sitting there waiting for the players to come out, and we knew that Denzel Perryman was going to be one of them. So he was actually asked about the report, and he said, "Hey, my agent deals with that. I just want to play football." And that's all he had to say about that. We know Darren Waller's situation; he's got two years left on his deal, but no guaranteed money. So there's that. That's been thrown out there as well. So uh, let's go ahead and jump into the opening drive, and I got a question I want to throw out there to you. The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 is brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. So with the knowledge of that Denzel Perryman and Darren Waller both want contract extensions, everyone knows that the Raiders do have some salary cap space. You've seen that they've been able to clear that space with Corey Littleton, Carl Nassib, with the release of them post-June 1st. They have some, some room to sign some guys, give some guys extensions if they, if they so choose to. So the question I want to throw out there to you, who would you give a contract extension to? Waller, Perryman, both, or neither? Perryman, remember, he was a pro bowler just a season ago. He's going into the final year of his contract. Remember, the Raiders traded for him. They traded with the Carolina Panthers to bring him into the fold because they had a bunch of guys injured in the, throughout the course of the preseason, so their linebacking room was very, very thin. So Perryman... Comes to the silver and black. He was familiar with Gus Bradley's scheme and goes out there and has a Pro Bowl season. Did a really good job. But he's going into the final year of his deal. And Waller, we all know, as I mentioned before, has two years left on his deal, but no guaranteed money. So I want to throw it out there, and I'd love to hear from you. I would like to hear who you would give a contract extension to. Darren Waller, Denzel Perryman, both or neither, and why? Why would you do that? 702-365-9200. Of course, we got the Salmon Ash text site as well, 69187, keyword RNR. Got a text real quick from uh, Sir Whiskey Ray. Q&D, did you see last night's All-Star Baseball game? Once again, the National League lost. It's been nine games in a row with the L. I know I'm bad, but this nine-game losing streak in the All-Star game is just as bad as my skills both on and off the court. Sincerely, DeMond's high school basketball career. <laughs> That's cold game, DeMond. That's cold game. <laughs> He's always got one. Always, always. That was actually pretty funny, though. That was actually pretty funny, uh, being able to see 
Uh, yeah, that's funny. I like that. And, yeah, I did watch the All-Star game, Sir Whiskey Ray. I do appreciate you. And, uh, yeah, I couldn't believe that, man. Nine in a row for the National League to lose the, the All-Star game? I know it's not a big deal. At one point, it was a big deal. DeMond, you pointed that out the other day, that back in 2018 is when they changed the rule of the the winner of the uh, the All-Star game is going to have home field advantage in the World Series. But, man, nine in a row? That's really bad. <laughs> that's, that is bad business right there. I uh, got a text from the 925, currently 89 players. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> we we uh, we uplo- updated the the releases and the signings, and, yeah, there are 89 players. They can go out and make a move if they want to. I don't know if they will. I don't know who they're going to sign or what the case may be, but, yeah, they're sitting there right now currently at 89 players. So uh, thank you so much for that text. But uh, definitely would like to hear from you again, 702-365-9200, Salmon Ash text line, 69187, keyword R&R. Who would you give a contract extension to? Darren Waller, Denzel Perryman, both or neither? Let us know about it. While you think about that and give us your response, let's hear from John Simpson. He is an offensive lineman that was forced into action a lot last season. I mean, he had to play the whole season because Richie Incognito wasn't available <clears throat> Excuse me, at all. He sounded really confident, and he sounded really comfortable being up there in front of the podium today. So uh, earlier today, we all met with John Simpson. Here's that conversation. Uh, welcome back. Uh, you played a lot of football last year, uh, gotten thrown into the fire uh, after some injuries. What did you take away from last year, uh, especially that you could build into this year, um, not just individually but collectively with that offense? Um, well, individually, I'm going to start with that. Uh, I felt like I learned so much last year uh, with Coach Cable uh, being here and stuff like that. And then having guys like Colton Miller playing next to him, he's like a tremendous leader, a uh, tremendous player. Um, and as a whole offensive line, collect- as a collective, I feel like, Towards the end of the year, we started gelling and we started like being better, hanging out more t- with each other and stuff like that. So I think that's only going to make us better this year. So they were going to be good. Even though Richie was hurt last year, how much did he mean to the offensive line? How much did he help you guys kind of gel and, and learn what you have to do? Uh, Richie was like he he always stayed on us, uh, especially the guards. He he uh, helped us out whenever we needed help. Um, he was just that that like not a, like a coach, but like a big brother um, in a sense. Um, and. He was always like positive. Uh, if he had a bad play, good play, he always kept kept it neutral. Never was like a, you know, like super mean guy. Never was super nice. He just let us know like what we got to do to be better. So, John, they have put a lot of emphasis on teaching this off season. They're a little bit different than some coaches, a little bit like Dabble. I'm, I'm just curious in your, can you talk about learning and adjusting to a new staff and how their more emphasis is on teaching in the classroom, please? Yeah. Uh, I think I think Coach Carm's doing a great job at uh, at his job. He's uh, you know we, we're all taking everything one day at a time. Everybody learns different. So some guys learn on the field, some guys learn in the classroom, and, and with them doing everything they, that they can, we, we try to do all those things. We go do walkthroughs. We do like you know meetings in the class. We stay extra after with Coach uh, Cam and and all kinds of things like that. So I feel like that's a big help to us because it is a new system, uh, and and I feel like. If we keep learning the way they're teaching us, it's going, we're going to be pretty good. Thank you. With that system, it seems that there's a lot of high expectations right now on the team. How are you and the locker room dealing with those high expectations? Um, I mean, it's high expectations every year for every team, in my opinion. Uh, you know, everyone wants you to be great, you know, and, and that's everyone's goal. So I think uh, just whenever we all buy in, we all just got to buy in. And I think that's the main thing. And once we do, I think we're going to be, you know, pretty good. Along those same lines, there's that narrative out there that, hey, all the skill position players are there. If this offensive line holds up, that's the real question. I mean, how do you feel when you hear those kind of things? 
Uh, I mean, it's just words. You know what I'm saying? It's like we we gonna, we got to do what we got to do to uh, be our absolute best. You know, so it's just like that's just words to me, and um, I, I'm I'm motivated internally. I don't allow things like that to motivate me. Um, I, I think it's going pretty good. Uh, we progressing like very well, um, way better than I expected myself to progress. Um, but like like we I said earlier, like the teaching aspect is like the biggest part, and uh, I think they're doing a really good job at teaching us and, and slowing things down for like guys like me and then like other guys too. You know, so I, like that's that's the biggest thing is just making sure everyone's on the same page. John, you've mentioned Richie and Colton helping you. So have you reached out? Have you been helping Dylan? Yeah, D- Dylan's a good. He's a good little rookie. <laughs> uh, he he's uh he's got a lot of upside, man. He's a uh, he's a he's a good dude. He's super quiet. He don't talk a lot. But I, I do everything I can to try to help him be the best player he can be. You know, it's competition, but, you know, still, he's still like a, a brother to me. You know, everybody that I play with is like my brother. So it's all, it's all love when it comes down to that. And if he needs help, I'll be there to help him. You've spoken uh, highly about the, the new offensive line coaches you're working with. You, you also mentioned Todd Cable, how much you like working with him last year. What, what's the biggest difference between uh, the, the two staffs? What, what have you noticed they do differently? Um, I mean... Coach Cable was like he's like an older guy. He he has a lot of wisdom and stuff like that. And Coach Carm, he's like not young, but he's like a younger coach in the NFL. So I think that might be the biggest thing. But like as far as coaching, it's like coaching is coaching. You know what I'm saying? They're they're both really great at what they do. So and that's why they are in the NFL. So how much of a benefit is it that there is familiarity now with you and Andre and Colton mm-hmm. and along the offensive line with the, with the playing time that you guys got uh, last last year? Compared to where you were this time last year, yeah, um, I, f- I feel like last year helped all of us out a, a whole lot. Um, starting from where I was, where I started at, and to now, I feel like I've I've gotten so much better, and I feel like I can improve so much more. Um, I feel like you know it's just the beginning. I, mean, I, I played all last year, but like I feel like it's I still got way more to prove to myself, and you know, and to my family and everybody else like that. So uh, I feel like. <laughs> Everything that we went through last year, you know what I'm saying, as a, as a collective off- offensive line, that just helped us be better and, and it's going to help us be better um, next year. Coming back into that, uh, when do you think the game started to slow down to you just in the NFL just last year becoming a full-time starter? Um, I'd say I'd say like, mid, like mid-season almost. It, it was it was like a like a light just fl- like flashed. It was just like, you know – it wasn't perfect, but it, it, I got better um, and progressively. And I think, like I said just now, I, I feel like there's always time, like always times I can get better and stuff like that. And, and I, I'm never going to quit, like trying to work hard and try to be my best that I can possibly be. So, so you come from, you come from a, a winning tradition, obviously in college. <laughs> you guys made the playoffs last season. What's that? What's that uh, hunger in your belly like to to get back to that and, and go even farther this upcoming year? Oh, for sure. Uh, I mean, like you said, coming from Clemson, you know, to the Raiders, it's just like, like you you want to win, you, like you gotta win, and that's that's how I am as a person. I just love winning. I hate losing, um, and uh, going to the playoffs and losing in the first round, it, it sucked. You know what I'm saying? And, I, and that does give me uh, hunger and makes me want to want it more. Like you know what I'm saying? So, I think just just knowing going into it and and wanting that to be my my thing and my motivation to the guys around me, like, hey, look, we've been there last year, but we didn't get where we wanted to go. You know, there's always more. There's always more, and you can always ask for more around the people, from the people around you. Sorry. William, Chris, John, I had a chance to talk to uh, 
Sandra last night, Sandra Douglas Morgan and, and Darren, and they said that the, the energy and the electricity is just it's just a buzz. Sandra was really amazed by it just in the in the two weeks she's been in here and starting with the different components of the business side and then once the rookies reported, it's just the energy's different. What's the uh, how have you seen the energy different so far this few days? Uh it's definitely like high energy every everywhere we go in this in this building um you know we try to keep it that way uh it's just like the culture that we're trying to uh implement into this program um and that's a test to the coaches um every, everybody that works here they they all do a great job at keeping us you know motivated to be our absolute best uh, <clears throat> last year's coaching staff was last year's coaching staff mm -hmm. but i hear a lot through the otas and so forth that, that there's a lot more accountability, it seems like. I hear that word a lot. Can you talk about that, accountability with the staff? Yeah, there, there's a whole lot of uh, accountability. Um, and I think that's a great thing because, like he said, he mentioned earlier, I went to Clemson and it was nothing but accountability. So I think accountability is, like, the key to a, a, a great program. So Great. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, John. Thank you. There's Raiders offensive lineman right there, John Simpson. And I, I don't know, man, I could be a prisoner of the moment, but every time – we talk about the offensive line, or we talk to somebody who's on the offensive line, like John Simpson today, uh, Richie Incognito last week, even though he didn't play last year, but he did, he was able to witness what was going on, and he was in those rooms with those guys. I, I feel like I have a little bit more confidence in the offensive line moving forward than I did, you know, a couple weeks ago. Even talking to Alex Leatherwood the other night at the at the ballpark, you know, it just, again, it just seems like these guys have grown up a lot. And there was a lot of youth on that offensive line a season ago, and so they had to they had to learn by, uh, you know, throwing in, in the deep end, like Richie Incognito told us. You, that's the only way you're going to learn how to play that position is by being out there. So uh, if these guys have that kind of, you know, that, that kind of experience and they've learned that much, that could be a real good, healthy competition throughout the course of training camp on that offensive line. And it might come out of camp and say, hey, you know what? That offensive line is a lot stronger than any of us expected to do. Now, of course, they've got to go out there and do it on the field. But uh, it makes me feel a little bit more confident. Let's go out to the phone lines real quick at 702-365-9200. Let's talk to our guy, Raider Rod. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? What's up, you? How are we doing, man? I'm blessed, man. How are you? Oh, I'm blessed as well. Brother, I think John Simpson sounds comfortable. He sounds right. a lot more comfortable this year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was a that was a really good interview. It's the first time I'm hearing it today. I heard some of the other ones, but um, I, I like his comfort level. I feel like a, it's it's someone that that's seen a lot and is comfortable with the scheme that he's got coming up, and feels like he's going to contribute. That's what it sounds like to me. But um, what I wanted to, to to comment on is, you see my boy Max about that action, boss. <laughs> You see that? I saw, I saw it. it. I saw it. You know what? You know what? For a guy that's calling him out for 17 sacks, I I like to see that about that action. He's not not a man that likes to likes to be so braggadocious, but but man, he wore it on his shirt today. I like that. Yeah. You know, uh, I heard you comment yesterday when I got off the phone. I, I was in a bit of a hurry, but um, as for Mr. Carr, I see 40. I know you asked if, if the guys are going to get thirty. If I see thirty out of the uh, out of the tight end yeah, yeah. and the two wide receivers, I see forty for Derek. I see ten going in in the in the rest of the directions forever. And you know, it, you know, it's just it's just how Derek is. He spreads the ball around. He's really good at at at, at using the you know the the play to its fullest extent. And he likes running the play. I, I've heard a lot of people talk about. We're good, we're good when we're at the line of scrimmage. 
Eric is a guy that tries to make the best out of what is called every time. And now he's paired with a guy that's going to put him in great positions when he gets to the line. So when he says we're good, we're good, man, this year I feel like we can be confident and we're good. Let's roll. <laughs> I like and- it. Hey, thank you for the call, my man. We got to go. Appreciate you, though. Good stuff. And, uh, yeah, it, it all starts today. It all starts tomorrow, really, when they get on the practice field. But uh, they're putting it together right now. And so there is a lot of reason for optimism. Of course, they've got to get through the training camp. They've got to get through preseason. And they got to get it going on September 11th. They get the L.A. Chargers at SoFi Stadium. 2.27 is the time. Keep your text coming at 69187, keyword R&R. Darren Waller, Denzel Perryman, who are you giving a contract extension to? One, the other, or both, or neither. Let me know about it. 69187, keyword R&R. Coming up next, Adam Hill from the Las Vegas Review-Journal, also ESPN Las Vegas. This is Radio Nation Radio 920. That was the opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Here's your boy, Q. Question we've been throwing out there to you on the Salmon Ash text line at 69187, keyword R&R. Who would you give a contract extension to? Darren Waller? Denzel Perriman? Both? Or neither? 69187, keyword R&R. That's the Salmon Ash text line. Joining us now on the phone lines from the Las Vegas Review-Journal and also our sister station ESPN Las Vegas is our guy Adam Hill, who's Fresh back from vacation. Before we jump into anything, how was vacation? How was Cabo, my man? Uh, it's always a good time. Uh, from what I hear, it was a good time. I don't remember much of it. <laughs> that means it was a great time. So uh, congratulations on that. Nothing wrong with that. Going out there, getting a well-deserved little R&R, little vacation, and not remembering much is a great thing. So, Adam, I'll start with you. Uh, Waller, Perriman, both or neither, who would you extend? Uh, it's a tough call. I mean, Look, I think they're in a really weird situation with Waller. I'll start with that one. We've been talking about it all off season, but obviously from the team's perspective, they've got him on a very team-friendly deal. They've got two years left on it. It's the kind of deal that you would love as a team for him to play out, but I absolutely would not if I was Darren Waller. I would be upset about my deal. I'd be uh, battling for a new contract. There's no question about it. You only have a short window in which to make your money. And, hey, when this contract was signed, it looked great. He was a guy that, you know, overcame, overcame so much to get to this point, that had a great season, got that contract extension, and he was being rewarded. But now he's drastically underpaid. And, like I said, the, the window is very short, so you understand why Waller wants one. But from a team's perspective, like, do they know where they're going to be in two years, and do they know where he's going to be in two years? Like, th- this is a, a situation that I think they're, they're looking to build long-term. They're looking to have a sustainable winner. But they kind of went all in on this year. And if it doesn't work out, they've got some choices to make in terms of maybe starting a rebuild. If it doesn't go well, I'm not saying it, it won't. Right. But if it doesn't, you might have to look at rebuilding in the next couple of years. And at that point, do you want to have Darren Waller under his massive contract at the age he's going to be? I'm not sure. So I, I think it's, it's, really, it's really easy to say he deserves an extension, and I'm, I know why he wants one. And if I was him, I would absolutely push for one. But if I'm the team, I'm in no hurry to do that necessarily. And I know that could create a little bit of tension, but there's also ways you can do it where you could have some flexibility down the road. That's what they did with Derek Carr's deal. Uh, and, and if, if Darren Waller is willing to accept something like that, then that should be one that gets done. But, you know, that's obviously the situation they're in with him. With Perriman, 
he's coming off this you know great season, this breakout year for him, obviously his best year, and only one year left on the deal. So again, you know why he wants one. Uh, I, I you know I, I don't know. I, I'd want him to do it again before I give him some massive you know, like long term contract extension. Uh, but listen, this is the, the situation. This is what you have to do. You have to manage these kind of decisions. Uh, so I guess to, to answer your question, uh, I think my first priority would probably be Perriman, but mm. that's, that's a real tough call. No, it is. It is. I think that's why it's a really good question because it's easy to just say, I'll pay everybody. But yeah. as we all know, if you pay everybody, then at some point you're looking down the line like, wait, what, what did we just do? So let me, let me be clear. Right. And I'm, I'm a player's guy. Like I right. think players, I, I give players everything. I think, you know, I, I actually think if you look at how much revenue they generate and how much they are actually paid, I think they're underpaid on a grand scheme. Agreed. Uh, people freak out and say, what do you mean? A guy making $10 million is underpaid. Yeah, look what he's generating for these companies and these these massive deals that are coming. So, yeah, I think players are underpaid, and I want everybody to get their money. But I think from a team perspective, you have to start thinking about things. And um, if, if again, I'll, I'll go back and say if the Raiders were able to do a deal that had some flexibility in terms of maybe moving on from Waller if things don't go well the next couple of years, then and not for him personally, I mean for the team, right, right. then that, that's fine with me. Uh, that would probably be the priority, but I don't know if that's the kind of deal that he wants. Right, no doubt. He's got clutch sports as his representation. Always got to remember that. Yep. <laughs> so yeah. clutch sports is not like me negotiating for you. I mean, they're they're <laughs> they're the real deal, right? Again, we're talking with Adam Hill here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. We just heard from John Simpson. He was the first guy up today at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center where we were both at. Uh, he sounded very confident. He f- sounded very upbeat. And that, that year of, of really being in the trenches helped him. I, I know it's training camp we haven't even seen these guys on the field yet but what did you take away from john simpson today so we haven't seen him on the field but it's interesting you bring that up because i actually almost asked him but and and this is a whole other thing it's a tangent that we can get off on it's very very different to do interviews in the locker room and, and personally when you're talking to a guy than it is in a press conference setting and i didn't want to phrase a question it was tough to kind of phrase the question that i wanted to but uh i think to, to a point you're kind of making that is as confident as we've seen him Mm-hmm. Right, like yep. I have not seen him standing up there joking, laughing, that confident, and that just you know, it's feeling in his skin of oh, I belong, and not that he didn't have that, but it's so clear right now that he does, and that doesn't always translate to the field, but I, I think in his case, it very well could that he's not like you know, he's not trying to find himself, he's not trying to prove who he is, like he kind of knows who he is, he kind of is comfortable where he is, and he's comfortable with his spot, and and he's just feeling. Just definitely like a different person right now, and I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to ask that to suggest that he wasn't before, but I, I mean, I think you kind of indicated you felt. That. I definitely felt he's he's a more. I don't know, if mature is the right word, but he's just he he knows he belongs. Right, I agree, and that's exactly how I felt. Confident, a lot more confident than we had seen from John Simpson. He didn't look like he was I'm not afraid of the room, but just looked like he belonged. Right, I mean, it just it yeah. absolutely felt like that. So that I'm glad that you felt the same way, and it wasn't just me. Now, how about one guy that you've been talking about for a while now, even going back to last year on the offensive line? That's Lester Cotton, and he's been getting a lot of conversation. You talked about him at mandatory minicamp. Uh, there's been others that have talked about him. The the offensive line coach has talked about him, but Richie Incognito. This really stood out to me last week while. You were on vacation in Cabo, and Richie, uh, he retired. He said Lester Cotton is next. Did you? What did you make of that? I know you were in Cabo. You were celebrating, but what did you make of those comments? Oh, trust me, it got back to me. <laughs> <laughs> there was no doubt that it got back to me. Um, look, I, I, we've said what we are going to say about Lester Cotton. He looks awesome on the practice field. Every time I see that guy going through a drill, going through a rep, I feel like he looks very, very good. 
but we just haven't, for whatever reason, he hasn't convinced coaches or he has, whatever. I don't know what it has been. It just hasn't happened yet. So until we see it happen, like on the field, until we see him actually taking, you know, potentially first team reps or however it's going to work out, until we see it in a game where he's taking the field and he's, you know, in the starting lineup or whatever it's going to be. Uh, I think we've said all we're going to say about Lester Cotton. We believe in him. I, okay, I believe in him. <laughs> and I know other people do as well. I just think he looks really good. But I'm also not an NFL scout. I'm also right. not an NFL coach. Like I'm just a guy that watches practice, that played a very little bit of football, that has watched every day of my life, essentially, football. I think he looks really good. But what does that matter? Nothing in the end until we see it out on the field. And uh, I, I think it's possible, and I think it's, it's very interesting that Richie said that. Uh, but... You know, how many times can we say, hey, this guy looks awesome on the practice field right. and then look foolish when he's not out there? Right. That's what I keep going back to, and I want to try to caution from doing that. I remember we heard all the hype last season about Brian Edwards. I was hyped up about Brian Edwards. I thought he was going to be the real deal guy. Never was. And we get training camp guys all the time, right, that there's so much hype around, and then you just never see anything from them. Yep. Training camp heroes. <laughs> yes. Uh, What's Keelan Doss up to? Right, exactly. Boom, there you go. You hit it right there on the head. There's always it, it, a, a training way, camp hero. <laughs> by the way, I'm not mocking anybody. I was right there with it. I watched him. I watched Keelan Doss make plays every single day. And it wasn't, you know, people say, oh, it was a hard knocks creation. No, it was not. I was on the practice field every day. I saw it. Right. We all saw it. And then, obviously, you know, the, it, it, he's not here anymore. So, um, yes, it happens all the time. There's always training camp heroes. There's always standouts in practice that just don't translate to the game. Um, you just never know how it's going to be. No, you really don't. And uh, we found out before uh, – matter of fact, I think it was yesterday we found out that uh, we're not going to see Jonathan Hankins. We're not going to see Bilal Nichols. They're both going to start out training camp on the pup list. Uh, do you think that there could be a signing on the way, or do you think that that's just going to give some burn to guys like uh, Matthew Butler and then also uh, Neil Farrell Jr.? Yeah, I mean, I think it's one of those things that they're – you know, obviously we saw a couple of minor transactions today right. uh, with the Raiders, and, and th- I think that's going to be the, the case. Um, as as this administration sees more, uh, at, you know, at practice, as they see guys working out, as they see how they're competing against other guys, they'll see where they need uh, to bring in support and where they need to bolster the roster. And I think they'll make moves here and there. But uh, I don't think they're going to necessarily freak out right away. I think they're going to leave a little bit of room uh, to say, hey, if we need to tweak something here and there to bring somebody in, if somebody gets released from another team that yeah. we like, uh, if we want to make a trade. Like last year, you know, it's obviously different administration, but in training camp, they, they saw the need for a linebacker and went and got Denzel Perriman, who had just signed somewhere. So um, there's always those little things you can make. So I, I don't think you need to uh, panic if you're the Raiders and you know, fill every single hole as soon as it potentially becomes available. And I think, listen, I think they believe those guys are going to be back uh, sooner rather than later. It's just, you know, you could, you could do these things right now in training camp and say, oh, he's not ready to go. He'll be ready in a couple weeks and then send him out there. Final question for you, uh, and it has to do with the secondary. Uh, how concerned should Raider Nation be about their se- the secondary of the of the silver and black right now? Well, listen, I'm a Rocky Asin guy. Okay. Uh, I, I believe in him. I think he's going to be very good. Uh, obviously, Trayvon Mullen is you know is a concern. I mean, it's, he's a guy who, when he's on the field, has played very well, but it hasn't happened often enough. And I'll, you know, we saw what Nathan Hobbs could do last year. We saw what uh, Trayvon Merrick could do last year. Everybody's talking about. Um, uh, Duran Harmon, the guys that are out there, like there are, there are definitely enough guys. I think there's some depth issues, and obviously there's, there's been a place where there's been a lot of uh, a lot of injuries the last couple of years, so they've needed the depth. So I, I think the depth is a concern right now, uh, but I think in terms of those top guys in that secondary, uh, I think that there should be some confidence. Uh, but you, can, you know, if, if you want to ask me where they're going to need to improve, uh, that's about the first spot I look and say, hey, this is where their signings could happen. Uh, that could make this team better. 
Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. go ahead, Demon. All right, Adam, you guys were asking Max so many MMA questions, <laughs> so I really just got to get one in for you. Peter Yan, Sean O'Malley, I think that's been announced for 280 over in Dubai. Do you think that Sean O'Malley even has a chance? Wow, even has a chance? Uh, yeah, I think he has a chance. Listen, I'm not gonna, he's not going to be my pick, especially if you, if you make it a pick him on the betting board. There's no way I'd make that pick. Uh, but, yeah, he's got a shot. I mean, he, he does so many creative things. He is difficult to prepare for. Um, I, I think it's, it's a big step up in competition for him, but he's been building for a while, right? He has to make that big step at some point, and this is certainly it. Uh, and I think he'll, he'll take that step forward. Uh, the other fight, we, talk, we talked to Max about the uh, Diaz and Shamaya fight. <laughs> this, this, this makes zero sense to me. I don't know why this was booked. I don't know why Nate Diaz agreed to it. Um, I, I don't know what is going on here. This is silly. This is the, the UFC trying to embarrass Nate Diaz and trying to ruin his free agency value on the last fight of his contract. It's ridiculous that Nate Diaz would agree to it, and I'd be very surprised if it actually happened. It's a payday, baby. Is it? <laughs> we'll, nice. We'll, we'll see. I mean, he's made a ton of money, and this is not, this is, you know, this is not Connor. Connor was the payday. Uh, that's the fight that they should have made, made, made you, you know, Connor Nate three. This is silly. Um, and it's a UFC's attempt to do something, you know, kind of messed up to Nate Diaz, I think, at the end. And he's always a gamer, so he's going to take it. Uh, that's crazy. But, yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of Max MMA talk. He loves it. He likes to talk about that stuff. I, I did think that it was pretty interesting about the, the Max and, and him doing the training, you know, the boxing and all that other stuff. I think that's kind of cool and seeing him, you know, continue to, to kind of, uh, you know, hone his craft and find other ways to train. I guess that's the best way to put it. Yeah, it, it was only a matter of time. I mean, he loves the sport so much. He's always there. He's always talking about it. He's always focused on it. And, you know, some of the best MMA gyms in the world are right here in Las Vegas, right down the street. So if you're going to find a way to train in the offseason, we've heard many players doing this before. Uh, but, it was, I mean, it was only a matter of time before Max did it. And it sounds like he's been over at Syndicate MMA uh, and obviously over at Extreme Couture with, uh, with Eric Nixick, uh, a guy who uh, was a pretty darn good football player here in the Valley in the past himself. So uh, I think he understands exactly what football players need. Uh, so that, that, that connection, I think, makes a ton of sense. And uh, Eric Nixick, and to even more degree, Brad Tavares, a uh, UFC fighter who trains under him, massive Raiders fan. There you go. I like it. I like the ties. They all tie together. That's why we have you on, Adam, to drop the nuggets and tie them all together like that. What do you got coming out on the RJ that we need to be on the lookout for? Uh, definitely wrote about the uh, John Simpson, some of the transactions today as well, and uh, Denzel Perriman uh, talking about his contract status. But more importantly, Q, I, I don't care about what I'm writing. What is DeMond wearing today? Oh, I have no idea. I'm, I'm in the home studio. He's in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. He's all over the place. He has so many different, uh, you know, different, I don't know, it's like personalities. I don't know what he's doing here with all his uh, gear that he's wearing. I have no idea. It's, uh, it's, it's one of the most intriguing developing storylines of the season, I think. Uh, it really is. I mean, it's it, you know how there's so many teams that have uniform changes and different al alternate unis and stuff like that? DeMond is the ultimate alternate stu uh, uni. I don't know what he's got going on. <laughs> yeah, he's been dressed like a cowboy lately, and it's, uh, it's disturbing, but I like it. Yeah, it's it's something. It's something, I'll tell you that. But uh, we'll see. <laughs> but, Adam, thank you so much for your time, man. Great stuff, as always. We appreciate you. That was good. Talk to you guys soon. All right, there he goes. Adam Hill from the Las Vegas Review-Journal also uh, appears on Cofield & Company quite a bit on our sister station, ESPN Las Vegas. So, Damon, the people want to know, what are you wearing today? Uh, just my black Raiders polo that I had for my time with the team and some black jeans. Okay, all right, there you go. See, that's what I'm saying. You're a chameleon, man. You always are changing your identities. So, today uh, was that's a business what day. Is, 
Okay, business day. I got you. I respect that. 2.46 is the time. We definitely respect your business, and we respect Adam Hill's business and time as well. Raider Nation, who would you give a contract extension to? Darren Waller, Denzel Perriman, both or neither? Hit us up and let us know about it. 702-365-9200 and the Sam and Ash text line at 69187, keyword R&R. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. Threw the question out there. The Raider Nation listener line at 702-365-9200. Also, the Sam and Ash text line at 69187, keyword R&R. We got John McClain coming up at the top of the hour. Who would you give a contract extension to? Darren Waller, Denzel Perriman, both or neither. Currently, right now, the Raiders are sitting at $16.51 million dollars in salary cap space. So that's one of the subjects we've been talking about. We also brought up Lester Cotton. His name has been uh, floating around quite a bit about a guy who could be up next on the offensive line and be a difference maker. We just talked to Adam Hill. Richie Incognito mentioned him last week. And Jason in Maryland, he said on uh, on our Salmon Ash text line, with those training camp standouts that you were talking about, like Keelan Doss, like Brian Edwards, none were endorsed by a vet in their position group like Richie Incognito did with Lester Cotton. So uh, that's a good point. Now, John Gruden did endorse uh, Brian Edwards. He actually called him T.O. And, uh, and Randy Moss. And I knew, I knew that that was not the accurate you know, description of who Brian Edwards was. But I did believe Brian Edwards had some goods. You know, I did think he had an ability and opportunity to really show some things. It just never developed the way that it should have developed, in my opinion. So that's why this new regime has moved on from him. But that's a great point that you bring up, Jer- Jason. I definitely appreciate the text. Uh, also got a text from the 925. Perriman has been injury-prone in the past, so I'm assuming that that means that they would not give him a, a contract extension. Uh, and then Jay in Vegas said, I'd give both players an extension. Waller is too dynamic as an individual player, and with Devontae on the field, the team needs to secure that duo for the long term. Perriman was the leader, if not amongst the leaders in tackles for this team. His sideline-to-sideline side tenacity is very important to this defense. Also paying them now would hurt a lot less, given, them, given that the salary cap next year is almost a sure thing to go up, which would turn which in turn would create more cap space. That's Jay in Vegas. Thank you so much for that text. Let's go out to the Raider Nation listener line. Let's talk to our guy, Raider Fed. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Hey, Q. How are you? I'm a big fan. I'm blessed, man. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. Uh, First part of your question, and I'd like to make a comment. Uh, I would extend Waller right now. I mean, we don't know if Perryman is going to succeed the way he did in Gus Gus Bradley's defense like he will with a new defensive coordinator. So I'd want to kind of watch and see before I offered that kind of money to a guy who's had some injuries. I think Waller is, is somebody you have to lock down. But, you know, one point I've wanted to make, I, I listen to your podcast every day and your show almost every day. You've come close, and a lot of the national folks have come close, but nobody's just come out and said, we had four rookies starting on our offensive line last mm-hmm. year. And I know there was a lot of critique about the line, but they were literally, with the exception of Cole Miller, every single other guy on that line was a rookie who had never started before. So I think we got to cut him a little bit of slack. Yeah. That's why I kind of understand why we haven't signed a new right tackle. I mean, I think I would try and make Leatherwood work better. And I just, I just want people to understand, when you're playing as a rookie, the game, it, it takes a while for it to slow down. You know, and I, I, I just think this year you're going to see a much better offensive line. I'm not saying it's going to be you know, top ten, but it's going to be much more playable. Because these guys all have a year under the belt. Even if you put the same line out there, and put, except move Denzel Good over to, to right guard and move Leatherwood back, I think you're just going to get a better team. 
and a better offensive line. And I just, I just think that was an important point I wanted to bring up. No, that's, that's a great point. Thank you so much for the call. I do appreciate you. And, yeah, you, you're right. And that's kind of what we were talking about with John Simpson when it sounded like he was so much more confident. I know he wasn't a rookie last year, but he was so young, right? He was so young in his experience. He got all that experience last year, and he had a lot of areas that he needs to improve on. And he said so himself earlier today. So, yeah, I could see that. If And this is just a big if, right? I, ifs and buts, we all know that saying. If John Simpson could grow. If Alex Leatherwood grows, if Andre James continues to grow, right? I mean, that's already a plus, right? That's already a big win. And then whoever ends up playing at that that right guard position, if it's Denzel Good, if it's uh, Dylan Parham, of course he'll be a rookie. But that's the one thing, that's the one reason I kept saying that I was thinking a veteran would be good uh, either at the right tackle position or right guard uh, next to Alex Leatherwood just to kind of help grow him a little bit more as well. But uh, you bring up a great point. Uh, You know, that year experience that those guys had, even though they weren't a, a, a solid contributor all the time throughout the course of the year, they did improve. I, I, I'll be the first to admit they did improve down the stretch when the Raiders needed them the most. You saw the run game open up for the Raiders, and that's a sure sign that the offensive line is playing better. If they can take what they were doing at the end of the year and build on that, they could be on to something. Really good call, my man. Thank you so much. How about Mitch in New Jersey? Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? What about Mitch in New Jersey? How you doing, brother? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> good. My grandson, he's nine already, boy. Time is flying. I can't wait to get home and home. I got to practice at home, like I told you before. You got you to sign Darren. I mean, that helps your running game and those wide receivers. I know Adams is going to have a great year, but Renfro, it just makes it so much harder. It's, the the Titans don't grow in trees, especially the good ones. All right. Good stuff. Good stuff. Hey, thank you for the call. That was short and sweet, but uh, we appreciate that. And, yeah, I mean, look, it's, it's, gonna, it's a tough call, you know, because you can look at it and say, oh, yeah, sign Darren Waller to an extension. I, I mean, I'll, I'll be the first to say, hey, sign Darren Waller to an extension. Give him some guaranteed money. He's too big of a weapon. But, you know, we talked to Adam in the last segment, Adam Hill from the Las Vegas Re- Review Journal, and he brought up a good point. What if everything doesn't work out really well for the team like we all expect it to? Then what do they do? You know, they want to be, do they think that they run it back? What's, you know, so you want to have some flexibility as well. Denzel Perryman, big-time leader, pro bowler uh, a year ago. You feel like he's going to be a big-time player, but it's a new scheme that he's, he's having to learn. You know, how does he fit in the scheme? Is he going to get banged up? I mean, there's so many things. Like, I, I wouldn't want to be GM Dave Ziegler at all. You know, DeMond, you mentioned before that you wanted to be uh, a scout for a day and people would call in and say, hey, I want to be a GM. Give me the, give me the, uh, you know, the, the draft picks. Let me go out and make some moves. I think I could do this, that, and the other. Look, this all is part of it, making decisions like this. And this is not easy. It really isn't because you have to really weigh the pros and cons of, bo- of, of, of this kind of scenario when it comes to players that you know are really good players. Darren Waller could be a, a superstar. Uh, you know, just he, he could I think he could be even better than what we've seen from him. Denzel Perriman, he could be ready just to be a, a all world linebacker for the next few years. But it's all a lot of ifs, a lot of buts. You know, we, we don't know just yet. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see with this Raiders front office, what moves they make. Two fifty seven is the time when we come back. We'll kick off hour number two of the show. John McClain, he'll join us to talk all things NFL. We'll talk about training camp and start things off. This is Raider Nation Radio 920.